you can have everything, but you can't necessarily have everything right now. So you have to kind of break it into some stages and steps. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Krimitzos. If you are passionate about growth in your business, if you are growing a purpose-driven business and you want access to education, to resources, and to other amazing businesswomen who can help you do it better every single day, then this is the podcast for you. When Laura Peterson decided to write and self-publish a book in 30 days, there was no option for her not to do it. That's just her personality. And after her book, How to Grow Your Podcast Brand and Business with Compelling Copy, hit number one in Amazon for a few significant categories, it was no surprise that others came to her to see how she did it and how she could help them do it too. But just like all entrepreneurial paths, Laura's was far from straight. A self-proclaimed academic nerd turned school teacher, her current business model has been created from an amalgamation of her experiences and her gifts. Her podcast, Copy That Pops, helps her share information about compelling copy for business owners. And now she's sought after by podcasters and business owners alike to help them write their books and leverage them to grow their businesses. During this conversation, Laura dives right into how she organizes herself so that she is efficient with her time and gets things done. We also discuss the lesson that she and most of us continue to learn about specializing and really niching down so that we can go an inch wide and a mile deep, as I like to say, in order to create results for ourselves and avoid all the squirrels, squirrels, squirrels. Laura also shares how her business model runs now and how she's continuing to adjust according to what she most wants and the demand that she's getting from her people. Laura's commitment to providing value and doing it in a way that truly makes a difference for those that she serves is unmistakable. So sit back and enjoy this awesome conversation with Laura Peterson. Laura Peterson! I'm so happy to have you here. (laughs) So glad to be here. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So at the time that we're recording this, it has been about four weeks now. Has it been four weeks already since Italy? I can't believe it. It's like, it feels like so long ago. And then it feels like yesterday. It's like one of those paradoxical feelings. (laughs) And you listening, you've heard, no doubt, listen to the solo episode that I had a few weeks Mm -hmm. ago talking about my Italian adventure and how that really was just so beautifully timed at this mm-hmm. season of my life right now of being pregnant and things really shifting for me. And then my interview with Leslie Durso, who yes. is the vegan chef, who is the co-coordinator of the entire retreat. So I, I got to be honest, I'm like kind of just bringing all the ladies on. Yeah. <laughs> a I reunion like, one at a time. <laughs> because I fell in love with each of you guys and you and I, you and I were roommates. And yes. So, Kinda, we kind of got to know each other really well. <laughs> yes, and I w- I'm hoping your prego vibes will rub off on me because uh, my husband and I are trying. Surprise. There you go. There <laughs> so. you go. I'm wishing all the baby love on you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but as I listened to your solo episode, you were kind of talking about how like you had all these plans this year and then you got pregnant, which is such a blessing and a joy. But then at the same time, it just like halted the path you thought you're going down and you felt extra tired in that first trimester and feeling, was it nauseated? <laughs> just like as many women do, it just like gives you a new perspective and a, like a new focus. So, well, and I think, and what I hoped that it did and what I really aspired for that episode to do is for every single one of us who has yeah. ever spent a day as an entrepreneur yeah. <laughs> when life happens, right? And it's For not sure. what we expect and or when all of these beautiful plans that we had. I know I'm a big planner, obviously. Mm-hmm. I know you are, most of us who are ambitious and moving towards goals, like we love planning and we love having, seeing the vision. And so when that gets interrupted or completely distorted or just all of a sudden kind of, you see it, it's going to go out the window. Like you're mm-hmm. like, what? 
hang on. Like you don't need to be pregnant in order to go through that. For right? sure. I feel like that happens to me every day as an entrepreneur. Cause I sit down, I like write out, okay, here's what I'm going to achieve just today. And then something happens and you're like, oh my gosh, how did this take five hours? I thought it was going to take me 15 minutes. And so you have to readjust and reprioritize. So it's definitely the life of a a businesswoman. <laughs> how I'd be interested to know. We're going to get into a little bit of your backstory, but in this yeah. moment, like, how do you, how do you organize yourself? You've got a lot going on. You you yeah. are actively growing your business. You're actively growing your podcast audience. You're actively mm-hmm. growing the folks online who are lucky enough to follow you because <laughs> you're very interesting to follow in social media. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but like, you're super in right now in this yeah. business game. So, what do you do to organize yourself? What works? Yeah. So I definitely am a huge fan of Google Calendar and then Google Drive. So I refuse to send or accept attachments at this point. I'm like, just send me a link to like a you know Google Doc or whatever. And I use a tool called Calendly to book any calls. So for booking interview guests into my own podcast, Copy the Pops, or if that's booking like a free 10-minute call where we can just get to know each other and see like, could we be a good fit to work on something else or private one-on-ones with my clients, whatever it is, I use Calendly and it automatically syncs and integrates to my Google Calendar. I actually use my Google Calendar as sort of like um, a planning to-do. So I'll actually block out calendar times for the tasks I want to accomplish. And then if I don't get it done or it takes longer than I planned and I have to shift stuff around, I'll just move the next tasks down or put them on another day or just say, you know what? Maybe this wasn't as important as I thought. So maybe I'll move it a month away or just delete it and say, oh, well, goodbye. (laughs) So I really rely heavily, I'd say, on all the Google stuff. I love that. I am such a calendar lover, especially Google yeah. Calendar. And I'm like, uh, I had a really great conversation with Amber De La Garza for her podcast. Uh, we literally like geeked out for her the entire like <laughs> half hour about organizing yourself on your calendar. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. I did a, you know, when it comes to sort of managing your business, it really comes down to all of the minutia of all those tasks, right? Like, how do we yeah. organize and actually yeah. like, accomplish those tasks in in a way that keeps us moving forward? And um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Like in the first year of my podcast, so back in 2014, I interviewed somebody. I, I don't remember her name. And I was just like, I was so intrigued by how people were organizing the, themselves because I'm such an organizer and I'm like an operator. <laughs> so I'm like, what processes and what tools? And she looked at me and she was like, it goes in my calendar. Because yeah. I was like, how do you get all this stuff done? She's like, it goes in my calendar. And I was like, Okay, but I mean, like, you have a priority list. Right. Like, it literally, if and if there's anything mm-hmm. on my list, it goes in my calendar. And I was like, oh my god! But what if you don't get it done? She's like, that rarely happens because I've now blocked out time for it. Yeah. But if it does, it gets I physically move it to another yeah. day. And I was just like, hand hand to forehead, like, yeah. Oh, that's so simple. <laughs> I know, because I mean, like, I've tried everything too. So I've done like handwritten lists, and you know, like rewrite it for the next day or whatever. I've used the sauna and I loved it. I use Airtable a little bit too and I love it. But I kept on finding that I was kind of duplicating my work because I'd go and map out all my tasks on some platform. And then I would still go and block out the time for that specific task on my calendar. So I didn't like book a call on that time or whatever. And then I was like, wait a minute, why am I kind of doing in both places? So now it's on the calendar. And honestly, I have so many things I'm juggling. If it's not on the calendar, I a hundred percent will not do it. Like I will just forget. <laughs> and I don't even have kids yet. So I just... <laughs> blocking out time for that girl. I know. I feel like there needs to be a whole section on people's calendar called mommy memory. And just oh like, my gosh. that's a repository of all the stuff that I know I've forgotten. And I don't remember what it Seriously. is. <laughs> I know. And then sometimes I just get to the point where I'm like, you know what, if it's a big enough deal, someone will also remind me. Oh, well, like, <laughs> <laughs> so glad you're saying that and that because I know I know a lot of other businesswomen feel that. How did you get into business? How did you yeah. jump into the world of owning your own company? Yeah, so I'd say my journey, let me see what year are we in? 2018. I would say the journey officially started in 2002. So it's been 16 years in the making, but I cannot say I've been an entrepreneur for 16 years, not like a, a real one. So I was a big nerd in school. I thought that the recipes to success in life was just go to the best college you can, stay in academia, get a PhD and be a professor or go to some company and just like work your way up the ladder or whatever. And I studied abroad in Germany, my 
junior year of college in 2001 to 2002. And that was a complete life changing experience because I had always thought everything academic was the most important. But while I was there, I had so much more free time. So I learned to dance salsa. I competed in the trampoline competition with my college. Yes. (laughs) Synchronized trampoline competition. I swear. I took a painting class. I backpacked all over Europe. They would have like two months break between semesters plus summer plus like they had so much more vacation time than the US. So I mean, I was just, I backpacked all over the place and I just got a new perspective around life of there's more to life than just getting straight A's. <laughs> so when I came back at the end of 2002, or not in the end, sorry, like in the summer of 2002, at the end of that academic year, my dad also gave me the book Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, uh, that was my, my main introduction yeah. into like, wait, there's a thing called you could do your own thing and there's a thing called yeah. financial freedom. What? <laughs> yeah, because the thing too is like my parents, I grew up in Orange County, California. So I was very lucky to be in a safe generally affluent area, but I always felt poor compared to everyone else. And so I don't know, that's like money mindset issues that we could have a whole nother podcast about, but my parents worked really, really hard and they saved all their money. So they were kind of like in the middle. They weren't crazy with just spending, overspending, which was amazing. Thank goodness. But they also didn't understand really investing so well. So we were kind of in that middle range of just like money is hard to get, hold on to it, and put it in a safe savings account, the end kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And so while I was in Germany, I guess my dad came across that book and he read it and he was like, oh, old dogs can't learn new tricks. I'll give it to my kids. What? He he has since come around. He has since come around because he gave it to my brother. My brother didn't care. He gave it to me and I just like read it in like a second, like in a day. And I was like, I didn't know. Oh my gosh. Like just the, the concept of like the quadrant where if you have a job, you're trading time for money. If you start your own business, you're self-employed, let's say like you're a lawyer or a doctor or heck, even an entrepreneur, you're still trading time for money. So if you stop working, income stops. So you want to create a big business where other people are working in your business. And if you stop working, you'll still make money because other people are making the engine run. And then you also want to be an investor. So your money is making money for you. And I was just like, this was a concept I never considered. Or I just thought, oh, that's for rich people. I didn't think it would be for me. Mm. So the combination of studying abroad in Germany and seeing there's more to life than just academia and then reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and seeing, oh, here's a potential path. I need to be a big business owner and investor. I was like, oh my gosh, my life was completely altered from then on. So, so what did you do from there? Because now, yeah, if you had the same reaction I had, it was like, oh my God, the world just opened up. But it was sort of like, okay, but what are the what do I actually do? Like what... For sure. I, you yeah. know, like with, with Robert Kiyosaki, it was like, I should go invest in real estate. And yes. like, that, I was like, that's kind of what the plan was, right? Yeah. And I think that's where I got my first steps into like having a- anything on that quadrant. So for sure. What, yours? what did you do? Same. So <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh my God, I want to own like houses all over the world. <laughs> so I ended up graduating a little bit early from UCLA. That's where I did my undergrad. And I moved back to Orange County for a little while because... I reached out to the real estate agent that my parents had used when I was like in junior high. And I said, Hey, I really want to learn about real estate because now I'm like obsessed with becoming a real estate investor, but I don't know anything about real estate. So can I be like your assistant? I will do anything. I don't care. And so she's like, okay. So I started working for her. Shout out to Ruthie Trescott in Irvine, California. She is amazing and still a realtor today and still a dear, dear friend. And so I was like her assistant for a while. I took the real estate exam. I got my real estate license. But I was dating a guy who was in Northern California. And I was just had this year abroad in Europe. And I realized if I were going to become a real estate agent, which I didn't see as something I wanted to do forever, but just to earn money to go then and invest and everything... I knew I had to be successful. I'd have to stay in Orange County because you really need to get like known in that neighborhood. And I had spent my entire life in Orange County with the exception of living in LA for three years in college in Germany for one year as well. So I was just like having an anxiety attack. I'm like, I cannot just stay in Orange County my whole life like that. Just felt like death to me, like worse than death. So I decided not to pursue the real estate Thing. I ended up living in Northern California for a year where my ex-boyfriend was finishing college and uh, <laughs> just did a bunch of stupid jobs. Because I also graduated with honors from UCLA. So I was like, 
where's my fifty, sixty thousand dollar a year job? Like, I'm really smart. I can do anything. And like, I felt, <laughs> I felt like I was only qualified to be like entry level, starting at like twenty, twenty five thousand. I was like, what? I've been lied to this whole time. So I, I just wonder, kind of. I, I wonder if that yeah. still happens to people who graduate. Probably. I, def- I had that exact same experience where I was like, yeah, I mean, of course, I'm going to go right into my perfect dream job that I'm going to be perfectly compensated for. And Seriously. I was like, wait, what? I was waiting tables for a little while. <laughs> I know. And that's one of the jobs I was right. working as a waitress. For, exactly. So I was very disillusioned by that whole thing. I ended up, after a year in Northern California, I moved to Arizona because, so this was in 2004. And I was like obsessed with real estate. I want to buy a house, but I can't afford something in California. It's insanity. So I ended up moving to Phoenix, Arizona area. And I bought a house in 2005. I was so excited because like everything was just like spanning and prices were going up. And I was like, I have to get in. So I... Oh my God. So I, reg- I sort of regret that now, but whatever. So I bought a house in 2005. It ticked up in value and then it just absolutely plummeted because we all know what happened to the real estate market. I still own the house today and it's being rented out. So all's Yay. well as that ends well. But yeah, so I think that my first six, well, taste, sex, successfully. dipping my toes in the water was with real estate as well. And while I lived in Arizona, I tried different businesses. I tried to make things work and nothing would come together for me. So I ended up going back and doing a master's in education and becoming a high school teacher. So I kind of, for about five years or maybe more like seven in my twenties, I kind of thought in my brain, I don't know how to be an entrepreneur. I don't know how to make it work. So my other priority in life is travel. Let me just be able to do that. And that's part of the reason I became a teacher was because I had so much time to go travel. I've been to 41 countries. I've studied Spanish in Mexico and Costa Rica. So like I got to fulfill that other element of like my soul that I really needed. And in the meantime, sort of the internet caught up and made more opportunities possible. (laughs) So when was the moment where you're teaching, you're traveling, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. sounds like a really nice life, you know, it sounds like kind of a designed life. Yeah. There was obviously something in you that was unfulfilled from that. So what was that? And what was then your first step into maybe that colliding with internet opportunities? Yes. Good question. So I was 29 and I was about to go into my fifth year of teaching. I would be turning 30 at the end of that fifth year of teaching which is kind of, for me, it was like, wow, I'm about to turn 30 and I'm still not an entrepreneur. Like this sucks. (laughs) And I remember feeling like really depressed and down and like just overwhelmed by all the opportunities. Cause you know, I saw people just like, or it seemed like people are making a ton of money on affiliate marketing, just selling who knows whatever. And so I was like, should I follow that? Or I don't know what to do. And so a friend of mine that I salsa dance with a lot, he said, well, Laura, if you were going to start a company right now, What's your gut reaction? What would you start? And I said, I think it has to be a tutoring company because that's what I know. Like, I've been a tutor since I was in high school. I'm a teacher. Like, I just know how to communicate with people and make them not feel dumb as they're learning something. And he was like, Huh, I have a friend who started a tutoring company when he was in high school himself. And now he's in college here at ASU and is thinking about starting up a tutoring company again. Why don't you guys just get together and talk? So we did. Yeah. And it ended up... He ended up being my first business partner where it actually worked (laughs) because I had tried other stuff you know, in my early 20s that didn't really go anywhere with different people. And so we started a company together called Student Tutor. And we would hire college students to tutor our clients. And our clients primarily were high school students. We found that the biggest demand was math and SAT prep. Those are 80-90% of what people needed. Yeah. So I I think it was kind of like I had been teaching for long enough where I felt like I mastered my craft to a certain degree. I loved it, but they were always adding more standardized tests, more boring, pointless meetings, and it kind of sucking a bit of the fun out of actually engaging with the students. Like what I loved the actual being in the classroom with students, but all the extra junk they put around it, I didn't really love. And I still just felt too much in a box of like, you have to be here at seven. You have to stay until like three, but really until five or six because you're running clubs and doing free tutoring and all this stuff. And I ran an exchange program, which I actually loved. I took students to Germany. So 
it was great, but it was just like all encompassing and still felt too much in like a box. Like I'm just like, I can't stay in Arizona my whole life. I net that was never the plan. So it was kind of like this perfect point of like, I'm going to be coming 30. It's time to just make the leap. Love it. Did you immediately jump into doing student tutor full time and yes. completely give up teaching? Or did, were there a time where, where that overlapped? Good question. So the honest answer is a bit of a mix. So I quit my full-time teaching job in person, but while I was teaching in person at the high school level, I made a contact with a local community college and they were increasingly giving online courses. So while I was still a teacher in person, I started teaching psychology classes online because I was a math and psychology teacher both. (laughs) And Almost taught English, but I didn't run a great a bunch of papers. <laughs> and, <laughs> and now my business is all around English. So it's kind of funny. I'm just like a big nerd. That's a long story short. But I started teaching psychology online while I was still teaching math and psychology in person. So when I quit teaching full-time, I still had this online psychology teaching that I did for, gosh, I want to say five or six years. So I just turned 37. I think I might have done it through like last summer. So it was never full-time income. So it wasn't enough to sustain my entire life. But it was kind of like, it gave me that basic bare minimum of like, okay, at least I can like pay rent or like, at least I can eat food. (laughs) And while I was a teacher, I also squirreled away money. You know, my family is all about savings. So I knew how to do that. So I squirreled away money, money, money. So I had a reservoir of savings. I had a very baseline amount of my online teaching income that helped sustain me for the many years where income was not forthcoming from business or it was very scattered and unpredictable. How long did the student tutoring company last? So it's still alive today. I just, in the past, let me see. So in the past three or four years, my heart started falling out of that genre. I love parents. I love their teenage students. I think teenagers are underestimated. So I absolutely love teenagers, but I got more and more into the entrepreneurs I was hanging out with at networking events and conferences and things and just realized I love digital marketing and I love podcasting and I love writing books to grow your business far more than my passion for like SAT prep is. And I think too, I don't really believe anymore in the school system. So it felt it was becoming increasingly disconnected for me to help high schoolers prepare to go to a college that I feel is like an outmoded, outdated system, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the company's still running, my business partner still runs it, but I'm not involved in it anymore. I've gone my own new path. <laughs> what would you say was probably the biggest lesson that you took from co-owning that company for all those years? Oh. <sighs> I think it is one that I'm still continuing to work on myself today is that if you pick a topic, if you pick a path and you only work on it with excited energy to 30, 50, 60%, and then chase a new squirrel idea over here, you're never going to actually get to where you want to go because you're changing your mind too frequently or changing your path. So I think it's really important to set out goals and a plan and then actually see that plan all the way to 100% and not allow yourself to start chasing different ideas. And that is so hard, I think, for we online entrepreneurs, especially we love learning and we love talking about this stuff. So there's always like a new podcast that tells you webinars are the thing, no email marketing, no... And I'll tell you, it's books. Start with the books. So like everyone (laughs) has an opinion. And if you're constantly kind of chasing the different paths and don't just pick something and stick to it, you're never going to get that progress that you really want to see. Or it's just going to take a far longer than you wish. I always love the saying, I don't remember who I heard this from, but I always love the saying, go an inch wide and a mile deep. Hmm. You know, And then Hmm. once you've done that, then you can go another inch wide and a mile deep. So it really is all about... I mean, that's like right to the core of like niching, specializing. You know, I'm a big fan of the book Built to Sell by John Warlow. Oh, I haven't read it, but it oh, it's coming so, out. Okay. <laughs> it's so good. And for you listening, it's so perfect. I, I've only read it as an audiobook, and it's a beautiful and easy audiobook read because, or listen, I should say, because it is an allegory of 
like, you know, a beautiful story about kind of the main points that they want to say. So it's a story about this guy who is a, he owns a, I think it's like a graphic design business. Hmm. It's quote unquote successful. It's like maybe, you know, a couple million dollars a year in revenue. And he has maybe like six to 10 employees and he's just like overwhelmed. He's been running it for a decade or so. So he goes to his mentor. He's like, okay, I'm ready to, I'm ready to sell my business. And his mentor mm. says, okay, well, a couple of questions. Like how well does the business run without you? Mm-hmm. And, like what parts are you, are, are you responsible for in the business? And he's like, well, like, and he starts thinking about it. He's like, I mean, like I'm necessary for the engine to run, right? Yeah. Exactly yeah. what you're talking about. And his, his mentor is like, your business is worth $0. Yeah. So every chapter thereafter is about the steps that his mentor takes him or the, the lessons that his mentor teaches him about how to get your business ready to sell. Whether you sell it at the end or not isn't really the point. It's like, mm-hmm. how do you do that? And one of the most transformative moments was him talking about specializing Mm-hmm. And so instead of becoming this, we do it all type of graphic design business, he asked him two important questions. Like, what do you love doing the most? Like, what does your team really like? They do this better than anyone else. And where's the biggest profit? And it came mm-hmm. down to like, we do logos. Like we, yeah. no one can touch us on logos and it's our biggest profit margin. We love doing it, but it's so simple, you know? And yeah. so they then transformed this whole business based on like just being the people who specialized in logos. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, it's, it's just a beautiful story to surround that exact point of like really specializing. But many of us, myself included, have a big rebellious streak and want to not be just that one thing. And there are two things happening, I think, in that conversation. One is like, I don't want to be just known for this. Like, I'm so much more multifaceted than that, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is like, there's a thousand other ideas and this new thing (laughs) over here and this new thing over here. So I would be interested to know how you have interacted with both of those things coming up. I know you said you're still working on it. We're all... I think we're all in this work in progress. But how have you dealt with first Mm -hmm. when you get new ideas... Mm-hmm. All of those little squirrely, shiny, shiny objects. And then secondly, how have you dealt with probably the, the emotions that you probably feel? I'm so projecting here. <laughs> <laughs> the emotions that you probably feel about not wanting to be just one thing, right? right. Uh, okay, that's such a multifaceted question and answer. So let me, I'll just start saying stuff and you tell me or if you have follow-up questions and ideas. So... I think for one is to remember that you can have everything, but you can't necessarily have everything right now. So you have to kind of break it into some stages and steps. (laughs) Then the other thing I would say is, okay, I just totally went blank. I like saw you writing down and I was like, oh, I said a good quote. And then I just went (laughs) About how you deal with shiny object syndrome and how you deal with specializing. So, I mean, it's just all about like, you said something brilliant, which is why I wrote it down. Cause that's going at the front of the episode. I know. That's what I was which thinking. Is... I was like, Oh, okay, <laughs> good. and then I just, my, I had like five things to say. And then I was just like, Dang Oh it. shit. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, that was just really all about like, you can have it all, but you just have to go step by step with it. Like it all can't maybe happen all at the same time. Yeah. Okay, cool. Does that, does that kickstart anything else? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> And then the other thing I would say is I've thought about my journey as sort of like a spiraling tornado. And so in the beginning, I was at the top of the tornado. So it's a really wide circle. So I'm like spiraling all over the place. Like, should I talk about writing? Should I talk about psychology? Should I talk about podcasting? Should I talk about, should I do affiliate marketing? Who knows? So I'm like spiraling on the ideas in this really wide berth. But then as I start to niche and pick something, I'm still spiraling, but I feel like I'm spiraling more and more narrow, which is a good thing. So literally, even just at the end of last year, I had another business partnership I was working on and I was growing my brand for Copy That Pops and helping entrepreneurs to write best-selling books and use it to leverage. But when I would meet people in person, it's like, okay, wait, who is she? Is she the partner over here and doing like... Facebook has for crowdfunding campaigns or is she doing stuff with books? Like it was so confusing people. And even I was spread so thin. So I felt like I was now I'm spiraling just between two things. So it's maybe in the middle of the tornado, but it's still not specific enough. And so I had some reflective time in December, January, and I was like, I have to just go all in on one thing. And so I was like, okay, it's my brand copy that pops, helping people with books. And so 
I'm now more closer to the bottom of the tornado. Now I'm still spiraling. So it's like, do I want to do in-person seminars or online courses or masterminds? And I, I have decided on a couple of core products and a couple of core marketing things that I will do that are like freebies, but they're going to then lead people into my quote funnels and the different offerings I have. So I still feel like I spiral a bit in that way, but it's, um, it's a lot more focused and not kind of all over the place. So I might say, well, Oh, I just saw this new platform come out. We just have IGTV. So I'm going to go spiral over there a little bit, but I'm still talking about books. I'm still driving them to my funnels and my processes that I already have in place. So I think that if you recognize that maybe you're always going to be spiraling, but if you can kind of get down to that bottom of the tornado where you're still spiraling in a bit more of a concentrated area, you're going to have more results and effectiveness because you're not all over the place. You yeah. still give yourself some opportunity to be creative and flexible because you know the online world is always changing, but at least you're staying... You're kind of still playing in your field, in your reign that's not going to confuse people or get you completely off course with your goals. Yeah. I love that. Such a good visual of what happens. And I think <laughs> myself and everyone listening right now, it's like, yeah, I could totally relate to that. And I feel like as we grow up in this yeah. entrepreneurial journey of ours, as we mature in it, I think we can see it, because growing up and maturing in this entrepreneurial journey requires that we grow up ourselves. It requires mm-hmm. that we're self-reflective, right? And so sure. when... When we are, we find out a little bit more about who we are, what's important to us, what do we do in here in this world, you know, and like mm-hmm. what does that really mean? And and I think we take one step closer to that focus that you're talking about, mm-hmm. like the, a little bit deeper into the close swirling funnel, if you will. And it does, and it doesn't mean that you can't try new things and that right. you can't evolve. That's the other thing I wanted to add to it. There, there's this yeah. dimension of thinking, like, okay, well, once I pick a niche, I eat books and I'm really helping people. Mm-hmm create copy that pops and be (laughs) known in their industry and be known as an expert and using a book as a tool to do that, right? That's that's one of the things and through podcasts and you do that for people speaking as well. So there's this thing called you can evolve. Right. And and you can can evolve in a smooth way. For example, (laughs) like... Hey, I went from teaching people how to do this with books and now I'm opening it up to helping people with podcasts and with speaking on stage because those keep being part of the conversation, which is what right. you're doing. Or it could be a complete 180 shift and mm-hmm. and that's okay, you know? Like For it's sure. okay. The thing to be watchful over is am I doing this every six months? Right. Does it seem to happen every six months? Or am I going pretty darn deep with this thing that I felt like I could talk about forever? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden one day, I'm done talking about it. And Mm -hmm. it's the next thing. Kind of like... Kind of like your experience with teaching is sort of like, yeah, this is great. This is awesome. Or even with the tutoring business. This is great. This is awesome. And then one day it's like, yeah, not a fit. Because guess what? We change and we evolve and we have different interests and life seasons Mm -hmm. are different. And that calls for different things for us to do. So... I really appreciate that. Such a great visual. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess that leads me to talking about what you do now. I gave a little bit of a... <laughs> I, and they heard it in introduction at the beginning of this, but they, you know, I got to preface it up a little bit for you. How in the world did you get interested from... You were talking about tutoring and doing the matchmaking service with all the kids and really helping them out. I imagine you, just like you said, you were like, hey, these entrepreneurs that I'm meeting in all these networking mm-hmm. groups are pretty cool. What was it that led you to what you're doing now? Yeah. So there was a little, there was a step in between that we haven't alluded to yet. So I have a really great friend who is the podcast voice for the show for the Internet Marketing Association. So the Internet Marketing Association is this huge global marketing association you can join for free and they have events and things like that. So my friend Dominic Sirianni is the voice of the podcast and we've been friends forever. And so my friend Dominic said to me, I'm really, really busy. I'm rec- he was doing all the podcast production and things for the show. He's kind of doing like pro bono for this organization. And he said if I send you the audio files of my podcast before they're going to go live, he's like, I'll do all the editing for the, the actual episode, but will you do all the content around it? Because you're a big nerd for writing. So would you listen, write up the show notes, write tweets and create custom 
little graphics to share on Facebook and Twitter and all this different stuff. I'll pay you a bit on the side. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. That sounds fun. And I was already listening to his episodes anyway. So I was like, get paid to listen to his show. Sounds pretty good. Okay. So I started doing that and I loved it. And he said, after a little while, he's like, what we're doing together is a business. He's, he's like, I'm editing the audio and you're doing all the content marketing around the show afterwards. That's what podcasters need. So we started a company called Pod Tent Marketing. So it was a mix of podcasts and content. So it's kind of like, well, you know, one-stop shop for everything with the podcasting. And we were taking on clients and we found two for our price point that the best clients were kind of like agency clients or like companies that weren't necessarily like a solopreneur, but didn't weren't big enough that they were going to bring someone in-house to do their own podcast. So I actually helped work on and launch multiple podcasts before I started my own. And in two, April of 2016, I started my own show, Copy That Pops, all around copywriting tips. So like writing tips to be more successful with your marketing online and applying psychology. So like, how can we apply psychology to make our writing better? Because that's my background too, is with psychology. And so I started that show. I didn't have, I wasn't selling anything. I didn't know what I wanted to sell with it. But I was like, I just want to start creating regular content around topics that I care about, start interviewing other people as well that I want to build relationships with, and just saw the podcast as like a great foundational tool, kind of like a blog almost would be. So I started that in April of 2016 still working on the podcast production company. And then at the end of 2016, Dominic was super busy with his full-time job. And we were kind of like, I'm not sure if we're going to keep growing this. So I was thinking about a transition. You know, What could I do around my own brand to really grow it? And I had three people in one week say to me, essentially, Laura, I have seen your emails. They are long, they are detailed, and they are crystal clear where's your book? Like you can write content in your sleep. Why don't you have a book yet? And I had never really thought about a book. I kind of thought maybe a book is something you get when someone taps you on the shoulder and says, you're good enough for a publishing deal. Or I thought maybe a book is something that you do like 10, 20, 30 years into your career when it's more like this memoir of how I went from zero to whatever. So I kind of never thought about it for myself. But they said to me, one of the best ways to stand out in your niche is to establish your authority as a published author. And these days, self-publishing is so practical and within your reach. So you should just, you should do it. And I was like, okay. So I had all this fire and I was like, I'm going to do it in 30 days. (laughs) So I wrote my very first book, figured out how to self-publish it and hit number one in the category of podcasts and webcasts in 30 days. What? Yeah. Okay. At the end of 2016. That's what happens when you decide to do something, right? <laughs> That's right. And for anyone who's watching the video version, I am holding up a copy of my first book. It is no short book either. It was Girl, like three... that's easily an inch, inch and a half thick. It's like 365 pages. I'm Holy a serious, serious nerd. The name so... of your book, the name of that first book is How to Grow Your Podcast Brand and Business with Compelling, with compelling Copy. Yeah. Yep. And this is specifically for podcasters. So the, the main title is Copyright for podcasters. And it's all about the different areas around your podcast that you can actually improve your writing in order to attract more people to your show and convert more listeners. So things like your show description, your show name, Facebook ad copy, show notes, all these different things around copy for podcasting. Because I was like, well, that's the perfect overlap of my nerdiness is I'm doing podcast production. So I know the ins and outs of everything around podcasting. But then my show is around copy and improving your writing. So where do those overlap? And then to take it the next step in this evolution of business... In 2017, you know, after I did that, I had so many people reach out to me and say, Hey, I saw what you did. I want help doing that too. So the, the business I'm currently doing really came out of not sitting down and Googling ideas or just staying in a cave and like trying to divine the answer, but really just essentially answering a demand in the market. So everyone who saw me do this were like, I want to do that too. Will you help me out? So what I started with for that is I coached four people completely for free. And I said, in exchange, can I video record our conversations? Can I video record my coaching you what to do with your book and put it inside of my own course? And they said, yeah, absolutely. So 
The very first person I helped, I only chatted with her for like 45 minutes in a phone call. She hit number three in both of her categories. Wow. And then I can say every single person since then, so number two and beyond, has hit number one in at least one category when they went live. So inside of my course now, so I have a course, long story short, that has the coaching sessions with those four people and even more since then, people who have taken my course or have paid to work with me one-on-one. And I have a hundred percent success rate. So I've got, what? yeah, so everyone who's actually applied what I teach them yeah. hits number one in at least one of their relevant categories for their book. Here's what I love about this entire conversation. <laughs> it meanders. Like this is just so the, the businesswoman's journey. It meanders, <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's a point at which you look back and hindsight's 2020 and it all seems yeah. to make sense. Cause you listening right now, you're like, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense for what she's doing. Right. And yeah. the experience that she's had. But it, we never seem to know it as we're going along. And it's incredibly frustrating trying For to sure. <laughs> not being able to see what's right, what is it, the next couple of steps ahead. Insofar as where you are right now, and you have since written another book, Permission to Write a Brand Building Book, basically as another product to help all of those people who are coming to you, right? And I'm going to read that subtitle. Um, it is for podcasters, nine myths holding you back from more exposure and making a greater impact. Act, which is a message we all need to hear. Yes. Um, yes. So I would be interested to know what some of your biggest challenges have been in this new evolution of your business. Hmm. So I think kind of like we talked about with the spiraling. So it's like, okay, I know I want to help entrepreneurs, especially ones who have a podcast. And now they're thinking, okay, I've got great show content, but I want to go to the next level. And I want to be taken even more seriously. And I want to get on stage more and I'm going to get more media opportunities. So even just around that, I recognize I've got a background in teaching. I love helping other people. How do I do that? So is it one-on-one coaching? Is it group coaching? Is it low-cost digital products. So you can still spiral in there for quite a long while. So I feel like that has definitely been a part of the challenge and the opportunity to grow through. So very recently, I finally decided that while I love working with people one-on-one, I want to help more people. And so I have stopped taking on private clients and now I have two main offers. So for me, I still have my course. It's a digital course that people can watch video tutorials and I've got checklists and spreadsheets because I'm a big nerd for teaching. So I try to make it super clear and easy. And so people can go through that entire thing. They don't even ever have to speak to me and they'll know exactly what to do. But I have a private Facebook with that too. And we do live calls every two weeks because I know... The course completion rates are actually very, very low. And as a teacher by heart and by training, I don't like that. I don't want someone to just pay me money and then disappear and never get results. I really want them to actually be able to apply it. So we do live calls every two weeks so that if someone's got a burning question to help them apply it to themselves, they're going to have the space and time to do that. So let me I've, let me tell you yeah. how dedicated Lori is to this is that we were in Italy. My roommate was like, okay, I need you out of this room during this time because I'm doing my live call with my yeah. folks, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I did it even in Italy. That's true. Yeah. I know. <sighs> so that's that's the main first thing. And then I've got the next level, which I call my inner circle elite. And so those are folks that either have a book already or they don't have one and they want to get to that point. But then the main goal around it, once we've made sure that you have a book, is to really leverage it. Because again, I'm also, let's get you a be-, be a best-selling author, but it doesn't just stop there. We need to use this as a tool. So yeah. inside of that inner circle, every month we have a different focus around where we have group calls and we set our goals. And I write it down in my Google spreadsheets that everyone can see. And I keep accountability and reminding you, hey, how's it going with your goals? So this month in particular is around getting booked on more podcasts. And that's like my wheelhouse because you and I are both nerds for podcasters and we're at all these podcasting conferences and all this. And so I've got a lot of friends who are podcasters and it's easy for me to make great connections and get my clients' bookings on podcasts. So so that's kind of the next stage of it. And I see for me that group as something that I want to keep relatively small. So I'm not trying to sell it to everyone and their mom because I really want to just go all in and help those people to really maximize 
the leverage they can get around their books and, and using it for more for growing their business. So those are kind of, I have those two main offers. And then on my website, I have tons of freebies. I have a couple of smaller, like entry level tripwire kind of products. People can kind of get a sense of, of what I'm all about. But those are my kind of main two focuses. And I have said to all my biz buddies, probably you in Italy as well, and my husband, I said, Don't I let me s- do another do not, <laughs> do not let me have any more crazy, great, crazy, amazing ideas. I'm just focusing on these this year, the end. <laughs> they are crazy amazing. Literally on the first day that we were there, you're like, oh my God, I have this amazing business idea. Yes. Let me tell you about it. And it was a great idea. And I was like, <laughs> and it's I funny though, because I'm the exact opposite. Like I am, my husband is the guy who needs, I've said this mm-hmm. many times before. He's the guy who needs eight projects at once <laughs> happening. And I'm like, I will freeze and go into my own little hole if I have that. Like I, yeah. one, maybe two, maybe two I can handle. <laughs> and after that, I'm like, nope, that's a nope, that's a no. And I'm like full on focus, which has its pros and cons as well. So yeah, but they are crazy amazing because they're, they're actually really good. <laughs> good ideas. <laughs> I know, right? So uh, funny. I wish I almost wish someone could shut the ideas off. I remember when I first read Rich Dad Poor Dad back when I was just turned 21. He kept on talking about how there's opportunities all around you. And if you open your eyes, you're going to see all these opportunities for business and investing. And I used to think, something's wrong with me. I don't see any opportunities. I don't know what he's talking about. But now I realize the more you get into it, the more the spiral happens, but in a great way where you do start to see those opportunities, start to have these ideas and you're surrounding yourself by other people who are looking at the world in the same way. It just feeds off each other. And then all of a sudden it's almost too many ideas and you have to say, okay, let's just pick one. (laughs) Yeah. So if you listening, if you are somebody who's like, oh my gosh, Laura, that expertise, like that's exactly what I need to know. Like I want to write a book and I want to actually make it work for me. You know, I'm interested in leveraging podcasts. I'm interested in leveraging speaking, all of those sorts of things. You have something free for them. Yes. It is called The 7 Secrets to Growing Your Business and Getting More Leverage with Books, Podcasts, and Speaking on Stage. And um, there's a special link that I'm going to give to you guys in the show notes, um, but it's copythatpops.com forward slash bizwomen. Yes. I will, again, put that in the show notes for this. But go there. Definitely learn from Laura. She is just, as you could tell, a wealth of information about her topic really helps people. And more importantly, is a doer. Like She backs up what she says. I don't know anyone who's ever said, like, I'm going to write a book and like make it work for me in three <laughs> days and make it happen. We usually drag out projects way longer yes. than we need to. Yes. And so to have a force like you supporting somebody along their journey as they really try to get their names out there and really want to leverage the power of a book, a self-published book that they get to keep all the revenue from and really use mm-hmm. it in the way that they choose to use it is really powerful and using podcasts and speaking opportunities as well. So um, definitely go click on that link, hear a little bit more of what Laura has to share. And I promise you it will take you far. So thank you so much for that. That was really nice of you to do. Yeah, my pleasure. And on the note of 30 days, I have clients who have done it in 30 days. Inside of my course and my materials, I have a plan for making an eight-week start-to-finish process, which you can then expand as well. So if you want to do one quote week, every two weeks, you can make expand that to 16 weeks. So if you feel like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do it in 30 days, that's not required. But if you're like, hey, let's just do it. Let's go balls to the wall and just get it done. Because I remember for my first book, I really thought in my head, once I decided I was going to do it, I was like, this could take me 30 years. It could take me 30 months. It could take me 30 weeks. It could take me 30 days. Our projects truly expand or retract to fit the time that we give them. So I would encourage everyone, no matter how long, whether you work with me or not, but no matter how long you want to give a certain goal, whether that's a book or something else, but we'll say it's a book, give yourself a deadline. And to make it even more effective psychologically, say it publicly. So you need to put a date on it and say, this is the date that it's going to be live share it publicly over and over and over again, because you're not going to want to disappoint other people. You'll let yourself down before you'll disappoint other people. And that happened to me. I set my date as um, November 26, 2016. And it was like Cyber Monday. And I said it over and over and over again on my all my Facebook lives and everything I was doing. I was promoting it along the way. And about halfway through, I thought, I am insane. I am never going to hit this goal. (laughs) And I wanted so bad to push it into December, so bad to push it into the new year. But I felt more 
anxiety and stress about looking dumb or looking like I didn't fulfill my promise to no one who actually really maybe even cared, but still that social anxiety made me just like stick to it and get it done. And you'll be amazed at what you can make happen when you have a goal and full commitment to it. So pick a deadline and make it public are some good psychology hacks. <laughs> I love it. And then use the organizational tips that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast in order yeah. to, yeah. In order to like, make that done. I've been sharing this lately that one of the most powerful organizational things that I've been using lately, which is brand new for me, is just choosing one priority per day. Like mm-hmm. one goal per day. And it's, of course, I'm doing more than one thing, but it's like, that's the one most important thing I need to do in order to really move the ball forward. It's the most sure. important thing. And so far, I'm checking those things off the list. And I can't even tell you how good it feels to be like, oh my God, that one thing yeah. that I told myself in my head, oh my God, that's going to take me forever. It actually took me like an hour and that was it. And I'm like, <laughs> that's amazing. okay, I'm, do- I'm so accomplished today. <laughs> and yeah. let me guess, do you do it early in your day before you go check all your emails and... Facebook messages or I would lo- no? I would love to be that poster <laughs> child for you and tell you yes sometimes yes and sometimes no I, I, yeah if I were like really hardcore in my life there are there have been seasons in my mm-hmm. life where I'm super hardcore with that it's like no you do yeah. the most important thing the first thing in the morning eat that frog right <sighs> and then this is not that season for me right now my yeah. season my season title is like just flow so nice. I'm like that's why I was like I nice. yeah I'm like this is not a season where I need to have be super rigid but non-super rigid that's what works for me like it, yeah it, it, if you would have asked me this year ago I would have like gone bonkers been like no I need more organization yeah but right now it, it just works for me so one thing a day and that I can't even believe how fast that makes mm-hmm. things roll it's amazing so whatever ends up working for you Laura, this has been such a pleasure. It's been so much fun getting to know you and getting to know a little bit about your journey, getting to know and just to see how beautifully passionate you are about where you are right now, knowing that, as Leslie Durso said in last week's episode, that you're always in the middle of your journey, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just such a beautiful representation, you sharing your journey with us about where you are right now and and the mixing and melding of all of these past experiences to make this yeah. so relevant and powerful for you and for those of us who are lucky enough to, to work with you. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much too. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Honestly, I never take it for granted that you spent the time here with me today. It means so much to me. I also want to make sure to let you know that... I have just had one more spot open up for a private coaching client. So if you're listening to this and you are in the moment of realizing that you cannot do this journey by yourself and you do need help and support and you need that support from people who you trust and who you know will help you get customized results, then all you have to do is see if we are a match. Go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash work with Katie. And click on the button that will allow you to sign up for a free 15-minute match session with me. It's a phone call, and you and I are going to find out a little bit more about each other and make sure that the kind of support and strategy that I provide for my private clients is exactly what you need. My mission is to inspire and support women entrepreneurs who are on this business journey passionately, purposefully, so that you can show up as the best version of you every single day. And I do that by creating customized accountability, strategies, brainstorming, and support through a dedicated time just for you. So let's start seeing the results that you really deserve in your business. Go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash work with Katie, and let's see if that spot is meant for you. (laughs) 